Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, 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 and welcome to Creative Source with Andy Osho. This is the podcast about creativity for the creative in you. Now, it doesn't matter where you are on that creative journey. You could be starting out, but you could be, you know, mid-season. You could be changing lanes. This could be your hobby. doesn't matter. This is a conversation for you all about a life in the arts. So as always, I have to start out with a shout out to all the folks that are supporting this podcast financially through Patreon or Acast. Your contribution makes a huge difference. This is what keeps the conversation going and um, allows me to bring these topics, these ideas to you every week. And uh, yeah, so I've been shouting out Patreon and Acast uh, supporters. And this week, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to Meredith and Eliza who have supported this podcast. So in the last two episodes about social media, we talked about the various ways that you can use it as a tool, be it using it as a shop front, creating basically your own media channel, becoming a content provider, a shop, using it to network as well. And we also talked about some of the pitfalls, the things that can be challenging about social media. Obviously, we know how much it can consume us as users, but also as content creators, we can, you know, become really involved. And then that involvement can compromise what we're actually meant to be doing, like our creativity or whatever. So, um, yeah, there's many things about social media that don't really work and, you know, well documented from the user's perspective. But even when using it as a tool, there are things that can be challenging with it. And we talked about that this week, rounding up the topic, I want to do a little bit of myth busting and talk about solutions. So let's do a little bit of myth busting. 
where to begin? Okay, so the first, I think we, I kind of touched on it in the, at the beginning of the first episode, talking about whether you need social media or not. And I think the first myth to discuss is whether you need social media or not. It's a myth that you need it as a creative, that you have to have it. There are many creative folks, many artists who don't use social media. Not only do they not uh, have accounts, because sometimes you can have somebody managing it for you, but they're not on social media at all. So never feel like you have to do that, that you have to have social media accounts, especially if you don't enjoy it, especially if you don't. I know people that really don't like the idea of it because they don't like the feeling of being exposed that it gives you. They want to just do their art, be under the radar and not worry about that sort of thing. Some people are also sort of technophobic. And so they don't want to have to learn how to use these things. I mean, to be fair, I think a lot of us all have a degree of technophobia because when new things start, like when reels came onto Instagram, I couldn't work them out. I couldn't understand it. And I was sort of like, ah, oh, this is stupid. I'm not using it. <laughs> and the same with Snapchat. I spent ages trying to work it out and I couldn't figure it out. And someone told me that they make the interface like that so the olds can't use it because <laughs> it's meant to be for young people. So they make it hard for us. But um, whatever, whatever platform we're talking about, the fact is you don't have to have it to have a creative career. You don't have to have it to advance a creative career. Consider it a resource or a tool that you can use, but not a necessity because then that takes the pressure off using it or whether you need to use it. Uh, another myth, you need a blue tick. You need a blue tick for whatever reason people may tell you to be taken seriously, to get work, to get noticed. You don't. Like uh, the need for social media anyways. A blue tick is not a necessity. It's a tool. Yes, it can verify you to users who may be looking to follow you so they know they found the right account. But if you're not already doing great work, a blue tick is not going to make any difference. I, I only got a blue tick on Instagram, I think, and Facebook, like ooh, when my book came out, maybe. Or actually, no, no, no. It was when I was promoting curfew. So it would have been 2018. So from today, that would have been three years ago. But I've been in the media and been acting and all the rest of it for nearly 20 years. How did I survive <laughs> those previous 17 without a blue tick? You just get on with it. Blue tick doesn't mean anything other than that you are who you say you are. Because the thing about the verification on these social platforms is that you can be verified with a thousand followers or a million followers. So what it can give you is limited. So if you're concerned about, you know, getting verified and how do I get verified and who do I speak to at uh, Instagram? Uh, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Do great work and the verification, be it as a blue tick or in life, <laughs> will come after. If you start chasing it, then you have to really question like where your priorities are at. Another myth that you need thousands of followers for the account to have value or to make an impact. This is a myth. What you need is uh, a good number of engaged followers. You can have 100,000 followers and your posts don't get many likes because they're all bots or people who, you know, you've worked hard to, to cultivate as a, an audience, but they're not really interested in, you know, you've done a like for like or some, or follow for follow or something like that. So they're not really necessarily in, invested in what it is you're creating or what you're doing. 
And then you equally, you could have uh, 2000 followers and they all came to you organically and are invested in what it is you're doing. And they will more likely buy from you, buy tickets, want to see more of your art, you know, engage with what you're doing. So you don't need volume. You need quality when it comes to followers. If you are trying to use social media as some kind of outlet or career leverage or something like that. If it's just a shop front, it doesn't matter who, how many followers you have, because what you're looking for is to present a great shop front for when that one important person comes visiting. So basically follower numbers aren't critical. It more depends what you want your social media platform to do. And I suppose what that really leads to is saying it's worth thinking about how you want to use your socials. Like, because sometimes I think we go into it and we start posting and we post, oh my gosh, now I've got to post on Facebook. And I also got to post that on Twitter so that every, because some people are following me there, but not here. And actually we don't take time to think, well, what do we want these channels to do? So rather than numbers, think in terms of quality. And that that goes for the posts you're doing as well. Rather than posting volume, just a couple of good posts every now and again is all that it needs. You know, some people I've noticed on their, sorry, a bit of a tangent, but some people I've noticed on their Instagram, they have like eight posts or nine posts. So it's a nice square, (laughs) but they'll delete and then add a new post. So their Instagram account always only has about nine posts. And I'm not quite sure why they do it, but it's quite pleasing to go to someone's Instagram and just see, yep, that's what they're about right now. (laughs) Just these nine posts. And most often I look at them all because I'm just, there's only nine. (laughs) So in terms of numbers, follower numbers, post numbers, it's about quality, not quantity. Another myth, you'll get more acting work if you have more followers on social media. This is a, a sort of a an urban myth, an acting urban myth that does the rounds over and over and over again. And I've been to many Q&As with casting directors and they've been asked about this. And overwhelmingly, the response is, no, it doesn't make any difference how many followers you have. Now, I'm going to say, I don't think that's like 100% across the board. There will be certain projects like maybe web series or independent like micro budget independent films where your social media following will help them with their marketing. Now, if you're doing that kind of movie or project, I'm going to venture, I don't know, but I'm going to venture that quality might not be at the top of the priority list, right? If social media numbers is the contributing factor as to whether you get the job. I would query the quality of the job. I can't say for definite, who knows, but I would query it. So if you're worried that as an actor, specifically talking to actors, if you're worried that not having enough followers is going to deny you the opportunity to get work, I wouldn't. The avenue for most actors, particularly jobbing actors and working actors is auditions. It's not social media numbers. Now that's not to say that you might end up getting to know a producer or a filmmaker through socials and somehow that that leads to a job, but that's not about your social media numbers. That's about your social media presence. So that's different. So actors don't worry about not having enough social media numbers and certainly don't compromise spending time on your craft for generating uh, followership. 
if you've only got a finite amount of time, spend it on your craft, not on followers. Another myth, you need to post all the time. (laughs) You don't, you really don't. And I think what, you know, I I spoke before on the, uh, on the mental health episode, when I was talking about social media, about this uh, pressure to post. And I think it's something that content creators, like, so influencers and people like that feel is that they're audience, you know, we were talking about being consistent in previous episodes, their audiences have an expectation that you will post a certain amount. But if you're using, if you're, if you're not an influencer or creating a media channel, you can, you cannot post, man. It, it doesn't matter. You can stop posting for a little while. If you want to, you can take a break from social media. It really isn't a thing because guess what? Whoever is following you is also following one, two, three, four hundred a thousand other people, they are not probably going to notice if you take a little social media break for a minute. And (laughs) I I, I kind of always laugh when people go, you know, hand on forehead, I'm taking a break from social media. Because it's like, I'm not, I don't want to say no one cares because obviously people care. People want you to be okay. And I hope that the reason you're taking a break is that, you, you know, there's not any issue around your well-being. but people don't really care because the gap that you leave by not posting will immediately be filled by somebody else. So just don't worry about having to post all the time. Post quality, not quantity. Because even if you are doing some sort of branded thing or immediate, if you post one great video a week or one great image a week, that counts for a lot more than three mediocre ones. Another myth, um, you should put lots of time into building your followers and your channel. Now, again, this doesn't count if you are doing like we were discussing, you know, creating a media channel, being a content provider, then yes, you do need to put in lots of time. But if not, mate, don't worry about it. Okay. If you're if your socials are just like almost like a shop front, just letting you know, this is what I'm about, you know, blah, blah, blah. You don't have to build a followership. It will come organically. And the one thing I've noticed, because I did try building followership, is that you put so much graft in, you know, going through Instagram, liking everybody's things, commenting, trying to build relationships with people. It takes a long time. The biggest builder of followers is good work. You know, I am talking about if you're not doing a media channel, obviously, if you're doing a media channel, then it will be your content that that will generate the, the followers. But if you're not, then doing great things elsewhere and letting people know about it and people being interested to find you, that's what's going to build your followership. The biggest contributor to my uh, followership. And it's not, you know, huge or anything, but the biggest contributor has been other work I've done. That's made people go, Ooh, that person seems interesting. Let me just go and find out what they're about. Or, Oh, I didn't know they were on Instagram. Let me, do you know what I mean? So, um, let's disavow that notion that, you know, we have to put in the hours to build up a followership. There's more important things that we can, we could be doing with our time when it comes to social media. And lastly, let's dispel this myth that social media is bad. Um, there are definitely bad things about it. There are definitely things that social media is facilitating that weren't a thing before. And it's frustrating, you know, like the the dissemination of hate speech, fake news. It's just so much easier now. It's not to say that it wasn't there before, but it is a lot easier now. So I think that's the last myth to bust is that uh, social media is bad. 
people use social media in bad ways. I think that's probably more what's true rather than that social media per se is bad. Now, could uh, social media companies be more responsible in terms of what uh, they allow on their platforms? Hell yeah, they could be putting a lot more money into that because they make an absolute fortune. And so if they have to spend 10% of their profit on managing and uh, managing content and making it a safer place for people to be, then they should, you know. But until that day, we just have to be judicious and have our own boundaries about how we use social media because whilst it's not wholly bad it's not always great and so we uh, being responsible for oneself and how we uh, occur on social media and how um how much of it we access for our own well-being has to be our own responsibility all right i think it's time for some bite-sized advice this time coming from CJ Skews. Social media can be brilliant. It can be so entertaining, particularly when there's some big TV event on. I always go down the hashtag (laughs) on uh, Sunday nights when Line of Duty is on. I always trawl the hashtag for the best tweets because there are some really funny, genuinely funny people on social media who say the perfect thing at the perfect time. And it just chimes with what everyone else is thinking. So that is a really good time for social media when when there's something on or something happening that everyone's talking about and we can all have a laugh at. Um, But it can be a bit of a double-edged sword. It can be quite uh, invasive if you let it into your life too much. There is a fine line and... If you're not particularly bulletproof personality-wise, your self-esteem can take a bit of a knock if you go about having opinions on social media and don't know how to argue them. So you've got to treat it with kid gloves, I would say. That was great advice from CJ Skews there. And she was, I mean, she basically said, what I was, didn't I say that? It's a double-edged sword, got to take it with a bunch of salt, you know. Um, and, and I think she makes a really good point there as well as if you if you do raise a, a particular argument that you have to have the skills to be able to raise that or or, dis, or argue your point on social media using only 200 and whatever it is characters. I haven't been on Twitter for ages. I don't even know how many characters you're allowed anymore. So, um, yeah, she's absolutely right. It's like approach it with caution or being judicious so that, you know, you can get the most out of it and it and it doesn't have a sort of negative impact on you. So that was CJ Skews, uh, author of Pretty Bad Things, Rockaholic, Dead Romantic, Monster and The Deviants. And um, yeah, I'll put a link in the show notes so you can find out more about her. If you would like to support this podcast, you can do a one-off contribution. You don't have to do the monthly thing. Although if you did, it means that if you did have any listener questions, you could be part of the show and send an audio clip in. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying that's that's one of the Patreon perks. No big deal. But um, if a monthly subscription doesn't work for you, then you are more than welcome to drop in just a one-off contribution. And you can do that via Acast. Don't ignore this message. I know you're thinking, oh, oh yeah, I will next time. Well, this is next time because uh, running a podcast, it's an ongoing cost. It's an ongoing concern. And so if you feel moved to uh, make a contribution, you've been thinking about it. Oh man, I've I've been meaning to do that. Today's the day. 
it's so easy link in the show notes take you exactly to where you need to go and you can just drop a few quid in just to say appreciate what you're doing osh and listen if that's not your thing right now no big deal no pressure this podcast is coming to your ears whether you like it or not I'm kidding. I mean, I hope you're liking it. I mean, whether you contribute or not. But listen, if you do, thank you, thank you, thank you. Listen, why don't we talk about solutions, tools, cool things that we, why am I doing this voice like Mo from <laughs> the IT crowd? Um, a little bit. Um, Let's talk about good things that we can use, things we can do to make social media easier for us if we want to use it as part of our creativity, be it as a business tool or an outlet, right? So we could get a social media manager. You go, ooh, that's expensive. Well, not necessarily. And it also depends. If your thing is going to generate money, then maybe not. It can be a business expense. You can write it off, right? Tax deductible business expense. I'm just saying now I, I, I'm in all seriousness. I know that having a social media manager probably is um, prohibitively expensive for some people, but for some it won't be. So I'm just going to put it out there. And also it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It doesn't have to be full bells and whistles, cost a thousand pounds a month or whatever type of service. You might be able to come to some arrangement with somebody whereby they just do a few posts for you. And then that could be a lot cheaper. Depends what you're up to. Depends what you need. Do you know what I mean? But, um, I certainly know that some uh, comedians and people like that have people uh, who look after their social media and it means that they don't have to look at all the criticisms and all the comments and all of this and that. And I remember talking to one uh, comedian in particular who was more prominent, I'm going to say, probably... 2011, 12 type of thing, really flying high. He was on everything. And he had this clip that went, a clip of his stand up that went viral. And it's like sort of the most watched. Anyway, I'll tell you so much. I might as well tell you his name. And he just said he'd had enough. He got into an argument enough. And that's how it happened to me as well. Got into an argument with somebody on Twitter and, or he was, his was on Facebook. Mine was on Twitter. And it just felt like, do you know what? This isn't worth it. And from then on, he invested in a social media manager. He said, it's the best thing he ever did. Now you may not have that issue right now, but it's just something to have in the back of your mind. And also it might be that the cost of having somebody do that is worthwhile because it frees you to do your thing. If your creativity generates income, but it's quite time consuming, then you having to spend time on social media takes away from your thing. So a social media manager could make good business sense. I'm just saying. And I I sort of implied it earlier, but uh, I think when we were talking about follower numbers and, and, and quality over quantity, that doing a social media audit is a really good idea. So what do I mean by that? Well, I think really looking at all the places where you make yourself available on social media, because like, say, for example, with this podcast, we started out with a Facebook page, a Twitter account and an Instagram account, as well as my personal um, Instagram account. 
And after a while, we realized there just was not a lot of engagement on Twitter. Like it, it just, it, it, it would need so much work to build an engaged audience that we felt like it wasn't worth it. So we stopped doing Twitter. And then we noticed on Facebook, because of these, uh, <laughs> I was going to swear then, but these algorithms of theirs, right? It was also not generating a huge amount of traffic. The most traffic and the most engagement was on Instagram. So we parked the page the page is still there but what I wanted was more the community aspect which is the Facebook group which I've talked about you know throughout this because I wanted it to be a conversation rather than a, an asymmetric model and I hope that that's what the um, Facebook group will become just a hub a, a space in which creators can all just chat and sort of network and and share ideas and stuff so you may need to do an audit of your social media outlets like do you need them all um, you know, in, in episode one, Jason said we as a nation spend three hours on social media. That's three hours you could be creating. Three hours. It's ages. That's over a third of the amount of sleep you need. <laughs> if you think about it like that, that's a third of an average working day. Three hours, man. So Maybe you do need them all, but maybe you can use them differently so that that allows you to make one uh, a channel, right? So maybe you don't need to have a Facebook business page. Maybe you can just have your own personal Facebook account and then your Instagram is your business outlet. Or you have two Instagram accounts. It's very easy to have more than uh, one Instagram account and you can manage them all from the same um, interface. You just, you can toggle between uh, different accounts really easily. I have a little stealth <laughs> Instagram account actually, um, but I don't post them. So don't go looking for it because there won't be anything there. And it's private. Um, <laughs> but my point is, is like do you, doing an audit, just see what, what do you actually need? What's going to serve what you're trying to achieve? Because that's when you ask yourself the bigger questions, then those answers um, come more readily. And also, I mean, I suppose in a way, um, blogs are social media. And I, I spoke about this already about stopping my blog because I was realizing that it was a drain on my limited resources. My resources are finite. And so I thought, what has to give? And, and it turned out to be that. There may be things that you're doing that are, that, that well, and you may enjoy those things as well. That's the kicker is they may be things that you're enjoying, but actually when you think about what your overarching goal is, is do they serve that goal or do they take from it? And in in which case, it's not a case of, oh, it takes from that goal. Therefore, I definitely have to stop. It's like, does that matter to you? Because you may be loving that thing so much. It's like, you know, what? I don't even care. I'm loving this so much that I am willing to make that little bit of a compromise when it comes to my overarching goal. Right. Um, I said this already, but take social media breaks if you need to. Don't even worry about it. If you feel like you got to announce it, announce it. But I wouldn't worry about it. I mean, people people take social media breaks all the time. I used to post like two or three times a day or yeah, but probably twice a day. I I, I, pay, I post probably about once every four or five days now, just because I'm just in the middle of something. I'm writing tough crowd and, you know, I want to get that done. And that's a priority. So you, as much as I would love to keep posting selfies, <laughs> probably low priority now, I would say, um, given that I'm kind of late delivering the book. So take take your social media breaks or, or, or post less, as I, you know, I've described in my situation. You don't have to be posting all the time unless you've got some particular type of um, outlet. 
you know, like we're talking about media channels. You know, there's um, like screen limiting software as well that you can get that will limit your access to socials. If you find that difficult to manage by yourself with discipline or whatever, um, like if they're too much of a distraction, then get the software that, that limits your, your, your access. I've never used them, but I, I discipline myself. <laughs> basically. And I don't want to make it sound like I'm saying you're not disciplined. So therefore shame on you. All I'm saying is I've I've learned over time to limit myself because I I know the cost. It's like mental health and it's time. Hey, here's a useful one. Now, if you do want to post on lots of different platforms, consider using a social media manager like uh, a social media management platform, should I say, like Hootsuite. That is just one example. There are others available. But what that allows you to do, I think they are, I think there is a cost to them, but not as much as paying a person, right? But what they allow you to do is basically post to lots of platforms and you can sort of schedule your tweets or your Facebook posts or your Instagram. I, I, I don't know what platforms it allows you to interface with, but you can interface with loads, basically, and you can all do it via one interface, which is could be super handy and super time saving. So that's another way. If you feel like you do need to post across multiple platforms, that's another way of managing that. And and there are, I'm sure there are many uh, options, not just Hootsuite, but that's the only one uh, that, I, that came to mind. Um, Another thing, um, clean house when it comes to historical posts. If you think there's anything that's going to cause offence that you can't own or you don't want to get into it about uh, anything. Now, I'm not saying hide, you know, if you stand by those historical posts or if you feel like, no, I'll deal with the heat if it comes and I'll tell them how I feel about it, then fine. But all I'm saying is I'm thinking of more the Kevin Hart example, where as a human being, he felt he had outgrown those thoughts. And so the heat he was getting was for the person he used to be. Now, if you don't want that to happen to you, my advice would be clean house, (laughs) right? Get rid of those historical posts where thoughts or comments that you made were when you were less evolved and, you know, you don't stand by them. If you don't stand, yeah, that's probably the best way of putting it. If you don't stand by these positions anymore, these thoughts, then get rid of them because you're going to catch flames for them. If um, you become, you know, you get notoriety, people start digging, man. Like, when you get some notoriety, it's almost like your social media becomes some excavation site <laughs> and people want to see what buried treasure they can find. So before they even can find it, you go looking, get rid of it. Get rid of it, my friend. I'm Daniel Lawrence Taylor, and you're listening to Creative Source with Andy Osho. Just um, about posts and stuff. Um, I mean, we talked about hashtags and blah, 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 all that sort of caper. Um, just another thing to add to all of that of getting to know how social media works. Just a reminder um, to keep your content short for the most part. And I know there's this sort of pervading, pervading, is that the right word? There's this narrative, basically, that people have a short attention span, blah, blah, blah. No, they don't. Listen, if someone can watch 18 episodes of a TV show in one night, they don't have a short attention span. What they have is a barrage of content vying for their attention. And that's why 
sure is great. I didn't realize, but there's a term, you know, we have lots of our, our little abbreviations of things like there's a term uh, or acronyms. Or, anyway, a term um, uh, TLDR, TLDR. Do you guys know that one? TLDR, too long, didn't read. For when an article or something that you've shared is just too long and people can't be bothered. I only found that out the other day. But sometimes I do experience that. If people go, oh my God, this article is so important. You you have to read it. And I, and I start and I scroll and it's just like, oh my God, that's going to take me all year. TLDR. <laughs> So keep it short on, on your posts. Um, I, I think one of the mistakes that I made when I was doing the YouTube channel and um, particularly the uh, Amber filmmaking, you know, the uh, documenting the filmmaking process of making Amber was that the, my posts were too long. I really was gunning to become some sort of Casey Neistat sort of, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I'm just a filmmaker living my life. Send me free things. And um, I'm not saying that's who he is, but you know what I'm saying. Anyway, and the videos were getting longer and longer and longer, just like the podcasts were. Uh, I think there's a pattern developing here, Rosho. And so I realised after is that they were too long. They weren't shareable because people share stuff because they want you to think a certain thing about them. Because if you notice, like if they share something funny, um, look at my sense of humor kind of thing. That might not be the, the thought at the forefront of their mind, but that's part of why people share is to make a demonstration of like who they are. Or if they share something political, these are the things that I, I'm concerned about. So, so your video needs to, if you're making video, your, your video needs to speak to that, you know, unfortunately that's just kind of the, the way it is. It's not every post obviously, but if you want something to be shareable, to go viral, then you've got to think of those things. So keeping it short, being aware of why people share stuff, if you want to get your stuff shared, but also remembering that on social media, particularly Facebook, I would say, and Instagram, a lot of people scroll with the sound off. And so you need to account for that. That could mean putting subtitles on your videos, but also there's a value in putting subtitles on to be inclusive, which is something that I hadn't really been aware of until maybe a year or or so ago that actually don't just do it because, you know, you get more, you'll get more sort of engagement because people are scrolling with the sound off, but do it because, you know, deaf people are are using Instagram too. (laughs) And so it's a simple way of making your content uh, available to more people. I think in Instagram stories, you can already add, they've got an auto, uh, what do you call it? Like an auto caption tool. And in uh, Instagram TV, IGTV has also got the same thing, but if not, you can probably find a little bit of software, although I have found that the software apps are a little bit expensive, but maybe that that will change as more and more people uh, decide to add subtitles. But yeah, so those are just a few thoughts of ways to make, um, you know, creating content or creating your shop front, however you're using social media, just a few ideas of like how you can make that a bit easier. If you would like to support this podcast on Acast, then you will get a shout out. And don't forget that on Patreon, a new perk that I'm adding to that opening tier and therefore available on all tiers is that you can ask your listener questions or give your listener comments as an audio clip to be included in the show. All right. Wow. 
Wow, time is ticking. I was talking about talk about being short and I was just like, uh, blah, 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 blah. All right, we're nearly there. I've got a listener comment for you. And this one comes from Ryan who says um, he uses social media a lot as part of his day-to-day job. And it's a very useful tool at getting information across. But at the same time, it's also a massive pain when the wrong information is given out by some users, which in turn causes him a headache dealing with the wrong information. Apart from that, I like it, Ryan says. <laughs> Apart from that, it's good. <laughs> um, and I think Ryan really touches on an important point, the dissemination of misinformation. This is kind of the last thing that I wanted to talk about on the podcast. I just really, really encourage us all, and I and I include myself in this, obviously, like to have discernment when it comes to the sharing of information. Not every account is sharing uh, reliable Uh, fact-checked information. It's very easy for people to just randomly create memes and uh, graphics and stills and stuff that have fake data on them um, that's not thought out. Uh, I was uh, laughing with a a friend who who came over uh, recently and we were talking about (laughs) there was a a graphic that went around that someone in my family shared with me that was talking about how COVID has a particular pH level and it can't survive in certain environments. And so if you eat fruit that's of these pH levels and it had like avocados, 15 pH level. And it's like, hang on, isn't the scale like minus seven to plus seven? How can you have, even if avocados, (laughs) you know, a 15 on on a pH level is like stronger than acid. But the person who sent it to me was like, no, 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 this is the good information. It's like, it's not, it's not even like scientifically correct in any way. And that's just a silly example, but there's more, much more sophisticated misinformation that's available and going around. So I just really urge us all again to be alert and be aware of fake information that's being spread, no matter what group it's about, whether it's about the pandemic, about mask wearing, about uh, illness, about, you know, issues that that pertain to your social group or, or a social group that you know nothing about. Don't let hate speech become uh, uh, available and don't spread it. That, that would be my, my request. And also that we're mindful about mean-spirited jokes and, and comments that we might make on other people's um, social media or about people. I, I, I was following a very no, well-known rapper for quite a while, but the, and, and even though he seems like a really nice guy, actually, and he's, he's quite, kind of old school now, every now and again, he was posting really kind of, frankly, misogynistic posts. And it was really getting me down because I was like, I love half of the stuff you post. And then there's this bunch of stuff you post that is not OK. So I had to unfollow him. Um, and Another thing I I guess to encourage us all to do is just to be aware of like criticizing other people's creative work. You never know. You may end up working with that person. And what if, right, going back to one of the other pitfalls, someone starts going through your historical posts and finds the criticism that you made of that person, they take it to that person and you're like, oh, uh, uh, well, what it was, was the easiest thing is not to post that stuff in the first place. I mean, yeah, okay. If you've got to say it on your private channels, fair play. Um, Cause we all need an outlet. And I do sometimes I'm like, Oh my God, that movie. But I wouldn't ever put that out in the public domain because also how do you want to represent yourself? Do you want to be the sort of uh, creative who's criticizing other people's creativity? Um, or do you want to be the man in the arena and acknowledge that other people are the man in their own arena? 
um, I'll post the link to the speech, but it was, I, I'm not sure when I would have, if I've referenced it to you guys yet, but basically it was a speech that um, uh, Roosevelt gave and he, he, it's where Brene Brown took her, um, the term dare greatly because he talks about daring greatly and being the man in the arena rather than the person in the bleachers shouting or who knows it all shouting at the person in the arena, the person getting their hands dirty, you know? So, when you are aware of what it means to be in the arena, to be in the hot seat, as it were, you know that criticism for the most part isn't really valid or that you're not risking yourself by criticising. So I would encourage us all to just be aware of that when we're posting on social media as well. And if you want to join in a conversation with like-minded creators talking about all things to do with creativity, then head over to the Creative Source Facebook page. Now, it's still fledgling and that space is whatever we make it. So if you want it to be a great space for um, creatives, then join in, create conversations, hook up with people, not in that way, link up with them and see what can come out of those connections. And also, of course, the Creative Source has its own Instagram page. And what I'm trying to do with both of those pages is if I hear about opportunities that I feel like may be relevant to you in whatever field you're working in, I'm going to try and start posting them onto either one or the other or both maybe. So keep an eye on those spaces. Make sure that you're following both accounts, um, Creative Source Pod on Instagram or the Creative Source Network as the Facebook group. And like I said, we don't have Twitter anymore. All right, you guys, that's it. That's the conversation about social media. Um, if you've got any thoughts, comments, questions, please get in touch because we create bonus content as well, which is available to all Patreon patrons. So um, that's it. All there is to say is thank you, CJ Skews, for the bite-sized advice. Thank you, Ryan Black, for the listener's comment, to Martin Lumsden for the post-production, Clydesdale Music for the theme tune, Anya Stobart for the marketing, and to you guys, the listeners. Thank you, as always, for listening in. And please, if you feel inclined and want to support the podcast but not financially, do feel free to leave us a little review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so, so much. It means the world. So thank you guys. And don't forget, keep living in gratitude and keep creating. Until next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack 
for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Creative Source. If you're looking for more support with your creative journey, I'm offering one-to-one online mentoring. Perhaps you want to launch a project but don't know where to start. Maybe you've got stuck around a certain issue, need some advice, or just want to bounce ideas around. Whatever it is, I'm here. Just hit the Patreon link in the show notes or go to patreon.com forward slash creative source with Andy Osho to find out more.